Yo, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Uh, this is Brian Porter, your host. Uh, this episode, we had The Ritualist from New York City. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, follow the podcast online on Instagram at Invite the Neighbors Pod. Twitter, same thing. Or it might be at ITN Pod on Twitter. Just search for us. We're there. Um, and uh, we have a website, invitetheneighbors.blueberry.net. It's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. All our episode archives are there. Um, share this episode on Instagram if you listen. Uh, and tell a friend, please, try to grow this podcast so that the bands that come on have more people hearing them talk about themselves. And that's the whole point. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to spread the little guys. Spread some love for the little guys, relatively speaking, in the music world. Um, anyways, go check out The Ritualist. Their music is streaming wherever you conceivably stream music. And enjoy this conversation. Thank you, guys. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've done this. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Not bad, dude. Look at his. Look at his that. Look at that photo behind you. What is that? Oh, that's actually a Dionysus. It's a it's a replica of of a, a mosaic from Pompeii. Oh, that is dope. Yeah, I, I, I see really like that. It. I'm sorry. I said I wish people could see that. I don't. I don't release the video. Oh, <laughs> it's like a a dude sitting on this giant leopard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks pretty. Epic. He has like a mirror in his hand, um, which is part of some type of ritual. They think, but they don't know for sure. Oh, that's fitting that you say ritual. Uh, yeah. very funny. I didn't even realize until you said it. <laughs> I mean, I was literally just thinking like I hate doing cheesy things in the beginning, but like, hey, I'm here with Christian from the ritualist, you know. Mm-hmm. I hate doing that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, how I have to mention it somehow, you know? Uh-huh. And the well, fact that you said ritual is like, oh, perfect. The band mm-hmm. is called the ritualist. There you go. Um, are you guys from where you, remind me where you're from. Sorry, it's been a million years since I've done one of That's these. That's okay. I mean, we're primarily based out of New York. Yeah. Um, okay. Brooklyn, New York, uh, New Jersey. So the metro area, as they as they say. So do you say that as in like different members live in those areas and you guys kind of like converge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most, most members of the band are from Brooklyn, though. Or currently okay. living. Most people aren't there. I don't think anybody in the band was born in Brooklyn, but most of the yeah. members live, live in Brooklyn. You know how that is, probably. Yeah, you know, there's this. I I absolutely love New York City. Um, not an unpopular opinion. Uh, <laughs> I, but whenever I'm there, I think like, how do people do New York as a band? Like how it seems like just being a tourist and getting around sometimes can be like kind of a nightmare or it can just not a nightmare necessarily, but like, I imagine like the transit carrying amps or trying to get through traffic. Like, what is that? What is that process like? I mean, is it, are you just used to it now or do you feel like it is kind of a grind? Well, that's an interesting um, question, but the truth of the matter is most of the clubs in New York city and Brooklyn have um, a really um, extensive backline, so they have amps there already. 
Um, they have drum sets there, uh, PA system, obviously. So we're really only required when we have a show to just bring our actual instruments. So like your bass, you bring your bass guitar, your guitar, your keyboard. The drummer usually just has to bring cymbals. So that kind of um, obviates the need for uh, crazy Uber <laughs> or cab fares, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it also spoils the guys because when we book shows outside of this immediate area, the venues don't have that. So they expect you to bring everything. And, and we're, we're not always, you know, we're not really used to doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, like, I'm such a snob about my shit, about, like, you know, my particular setup, my amps and stuff. But yeah. It's just like, I don't know how to make the other stuff. I wouldn't really know how to make a different amp sound good. You know, like, I, it would just... Strikes me as odd, you know, like yeah, band on a bill is playing the same gear, and I imagine obviously there's some tweaking that goes on in between for sure. And I mean, it's it's kind of like that's sort of the sacrifice you make. I mean, most of the venues that you say you're welcome to bring your own your own amp if you want to, but it's not it's not really needed. So you could theoretically, you know, if you wanted to have your own amp on stage, you could. Yeah. How does it work with like, cause I was listening to um, some of your guys's music today mm -hmm. and I was, you know, it's what struck me initially was like, there's a lot of textures. There's a lot of different like soundscapes, like ambient textures going on. And so I feel like that would be, you, you don't strike me as like a, just show up plug and play type of band. It sounds like on, at least on the record that there's, there's some other stuff going on. So like, how does that work with like what type of gear are you guys taking to a show in order to kind of like achieve okay. all those different sounds? Well, my guitarist Dave Andriana has like a really intense pedal board with you know a million gadgets on it. Um, yeah, a keyboardist uh, Jeffrey Andrew he has um, a MIDI controller and he, you know he has a he has the computer with like a million different keyboard options. Um, some of the songs live we do to we have tracks not not vocal tracks or anything like that yeah. they're we don't lip sync but you know <laughs> we have some of the songs have like serious orchestration so that using the track enables us to to have that be part of the live experience um so yeah i mean it's it's just re having really talented band members who understand how to layer things on stage you know the it's mainly coming from the keyboard and the guitarist all those layers yeah that makes sense. We we just added. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the podcast, but like I'm a musician. Like I, that's the whole pretense behind the, this is like I like talking, mm -hmm. sharing experiences with other musicians and stuff. Cool. So occasionally I'll like reference the fact that I play in a band just to get that out of the way. But yeah, um, like right. we we added a uh, our drummer added the sample pad, and I I try to do things because my brain doesn't work like. Track having tracks backing tracks sounds awesome. My roommate's band does that. Like mm -hmm. my brain just doesn't work that way. Like my pedal board is huge, but it's all right. like analog stuff. Like it's all like I'm tap I'm a tap dancer on stage. You know what I mean? I don't have anything right. like a pedal controller. We added a sampler to like add some of the interlude y type because I like ambient stuff. I like having interludes right. on the record and I like being able to do that live, but I still like to be able to do that from like an analog standpoint like i yeah we have like this external shit that we do but like it's still the push of a button 
that makes yeah sense. i mean for my guitar player as well i mean i i, I don't you know well you will, will be quoting me on this but i, I will say i'm not a hundred percent sure of this but i believe many of his pedals are analog but even i think like the the analog delay you know there's a setting so you know the drummer will set this you know the, the the play to a click with the bpms and then you know he'll have a he'll tune his his delay to that so the delay is in time with yeah. the click drums and everything and it works so it's kind of a, a combination of things i think um yeah no it, it definitely it definitely is like i've and i've been slowly getting a little bit smarter about it i guess like yeah. looking more it's just intimidating really just the amount of like and, the pre-planning you know, like, i will say you know we we're blessed to have a drummer who loves playing to a click <laughs> um even songs where we don't use tracks um on stage we we, we have click just as a reference to keeping things you know keeping the tempos um solid um so we're lucky and, and that's really um you know my drummer eric Huby, we're lucky that he's able to do that and, and that's really um going to determine i think whether your band can do that live is, is your drummer <laughs> really yeah um if he's unable to do that or just doesn't want to, it's just not going to happen. Right. Do you guys, do you guys all have like in-ears that you hear the click or is just the, the drummer hearing it? No, nope. just my drummer and keyboardist. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say. Cause Eventually, I'm... we'd like to. I mean, it's very expensive. It's all have, like, yeah. like, like the in-ears are great, but, um, you know, it's, it's an expense we haven't really um, committed to just yet. Yeah, they're cool. I mean, like we did a live session one time where we had in-ears and it was... Uh, it was like a new experience for sure. I was like, Oh my God, this is really cool. But then you realize like it's, it, it's an adjustment for me, especially because are you, like, are, you, are you the vocalist in your band? Yeah. And like I do vocals and, guitar, and it's like, Oh cool. It's going on <laughs> like right. hearing like everything else so well is almost a distraction. I mean, I, eventually I would get used to it and it would probably make things better. But it, when I first did it, I was like, it was like, sensory overload because i'm trying to remember what pedal wow. put lyrics and all this other stuff and i was like oh my god this is insane <laughs> to, to like my keyboard swears by it he's he, he's been you know telling me to get the in-ears for a while now he loves it yeah i think what would bother me more is hearing the click personally like i i like having the drummer is the drummer can do it great but like if i if i feel like if i heard the click just knowing from when i was re recording Sometimes, like obviously, you need it for recording, but it's still distracting because, like, if I fall off, I just start the take over, you know. But if you like fall right. off, you yeah, know, I, I don't. Know. I would not want to sing a set with the click in my ear. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be very distracting. Um, so yeah, I it's, guess if I did in ears, I would have to have a way of keeping the click out of my in ears. Yeah. So do you do it? Are you like just the vocalist or do you do like other instruments and stuff? Or? Well, I'm a multi-instrumentalist on, on this particular, on the newest album, I played the drums, the bass and uh, the vocals. Um, oh, live, okay, sweet. live, I'll pick up the bass on a few songs, but primarily I just present as a, as a front man. Um, yeah. And that's um, sort of been working for us. Uh, recording the album playing all those instruments was <laughs> was quite a task but it was fun yeah. i don't think i don't think i'll be drumming on the next record though so yeah i i'm in a, a similar boat like i did uh 
for our record, I did everything but the drums. And mm-hmm. I I like it that way personally. I like doing it all uh on the record. I'm just like such a control, like I have like the vision, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I know what I want, but it's really nice not having to do it all live. I mean, obviously it's impossible to do it all live, but it's it's nice to hear like other people's like interpretations of what I did on a record, like playing it live. It's different. It's never the song playing the songs doesn't don't really get old because like I give the band freedom to like you know put their own spin on things so sure. shows yeah are different than the the record and I'm I'm curious like how much of I mean you, you know you told me that you guys use tracks and stuff but like there's still so whenever you get into electronics and stuff I feel like there's more there's there's more room for like I guess differences there's more you're more likely to hear some differences in the live performance so i mean are you guys pretty faithful to like all the different sounds that you hear on the record do you guys kind of like have like a live sound versus a record sound i i mean we we definitely have a live sound but we are faithful to you know what's on the record i mean the the band sounds very similar to what's on the record thankfully (laughs) yeah um but i'm a big believer like i dig um i've always liked um rock bands that the, you know there's a there's the experience of their album listening to their album at home and there's the experience of going to the show and there there are significant differences between the live show and the recorded experience with them um that was actually it's one of my critiques kind of of radiohead <laughs> i love radiohead yeah, okay. but you go to, you go to a radiohead show it's you might as well just be listening to the album in your car i mean it's great that they can recreate that but they're not really giving um there's nothing nothing really seems too spontaneous about the the live show with them and i and i like a bit of that you know yeah um, and that's why i you know i'm a huge doors fan and you know I, I never had a chance obviously to see the doors live but when i listen to their live albums and and listen to the way morrison performs the vocal or you know the yeah. guitar it's cool because it's like a totally different um experience and you know, he, he goes off and vamps on things and um and i think that's cool so i try to do a little bit of both with the band um for a track like baroque and bleeding which has a ton of drum triggers and everything on it, that's going to be you know pretty much album faithful but there are other songs that have extended solos and whatnot where we go off on tangents and do different things live and and that's intentional you know that's sweet yeah I, I, hearing you say the doors makes sense now because like hearing the yeah like four pitch vocal style and stuff I'm like okay that you know i can see the context now like the, the jim morrison type of thing because that you definitely do have like the, that sort of range you know cool obviously a like completely different style music yeah. but it's like oh okay i can hear that now and i can also hear the radiohead too just like the different electronics and things like that i'm a huge radiohead fan and yeah yeah they're they're, they're a great band um and obviously, you know, we're heavily influenced by a lot of the post-punk stuff from the 80s, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen and, and early U2 and uh, the cult and things like that. Um, yeah. And I think that, that comes across. At least that's what a lot of people have said that have heard the album. So. Yeah. What, what was like, um, when you guys went into actually make the record, did you have a sort of uh, theme at all in mind? It just feels, it feels kind of not like full-on theatrical necessarily but it feels like it has like a little bit more than just like surface you know when you listen to a song it's like okay this is good but there's nothing really like 
I'd like to believe that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, As far as the 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 concept of the record, um, this is going to sound really pretentious and and untrue, but it actually is the true story. Like, um, I I, we had just started um, making demos um, that eventually became this album, and with COVID and everything, our drummer at the time was unable to come to a studio, and our, our label had access to a gorgeous studio in Times Square. So during the lockdown, the engineer and I would, you know, we we were in different rooms and I would go there and I was tracking drum ideas. And I just came up with that groove that eventually became the introduction to um, Baroque and Bleeding, the song. And um, and, I, and I was just thinking about it. Um, and, you know, I always talk with my friends like there's like a, a little group of us um in, in New York, that we we, we have very similar interests. We, we like a lot of like the glam rock stuff and mm. and you know British rock. And um, we were kind of talking about how that's come in and out of vogue, and how it's like we're kind of suffering for our our art in a way. So after having this conversation, I I I, I went to sleep and I had like this dream and this like idea of broken bleeding <laughs> came to me <laughs> like a dream. And I woke up and I wrote all the lyrics to the song and the chorus based on my dream. Um, and that's sort of, I think, permeates all of the sort of themes that run through the record with each song. I think that that became like the underlying theme. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I love when uh, things just kind of come to you like that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I've never been one to really sit down and like think, what do I want the theme to be? Like, some people can do that. And yeah. You know, I know I, I can't do that either. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's really what I like to do is take credit for the idea that I have no idea where it came from. You know, <laughs> like it just like comes into your head, and it's just like I'm like, oh, this is sweet. I don't know where this is coming from, and then I'm the one who gets to say that I came up with it. But I don't really right. sometimes feel like I did. You know, it just feels like it kind of was delivered <laughs> to my brain from somewhere. Sure. Absolutely. Um that's what makes the art so interesting is because there's that there's a mysterious element to art as to where inspiration truly comes from, I think. And, um, I think that's what makes it cool, you know, and, and different artists I've, I've, you know, read interviews or, or seen, and they all, they have all different kinds of wild theories as to where their inspirations coming from. Um, and I think that's, that's part of what makes it cool and mysterious, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's it's like a level beyond pretension, honestly, to for me to talk about it because like to if it were pretentious, I feel like it would be me claiming to know like this my theory, yes. this is what is happening. But I think it's beyond right. it because I'm like I have no clue where this it's it could be supernatural. I want it to be supernatural, full disclosure. Yeah. But who knows, dude? You know, like it, it could literally be nothing but my subconscious and it could be but i like the idea more that it's not even fully me i like the idea that i'm not fully responsible that's more interesting to me than the idea that i'm like this artistic mastermind and i don't know it you know what i mean like it's it's more interesting Mm -hmm. to me to think that there's some external forces at play that i would me or any other artist yourself whoever is more of like a conduit to like what the universe wants to be put out as art. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that excites me more. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think at once you're, you're a musician, like we are, 
you know, we don't listen to music the same way that non-musicians do. And and I feel like civilians. When I, when I hear a, a song, I think there are certain bands that I listen to and that I love that are extremely methodical and go about their songwriting with like a preconceived notion in mind. Like, okay, now it's, you know, we've got part A and now we need a part B and that, you know, and, and, and it's, it's like mechanics. Um, yeah. and then there, there, and there's stuff that's written that way that I, that I love and, and I appreciate, but I don't write that way. And, and there are other bands where I, I feel like it's more of a feel thing. And, um, and I think those types of songs that are more of a feel thing tend to come from artists who aren't like trained, you know, you know, um, in, in music theory as, as, as much. Um, so I think, I think you got two sides of the coin there and I think you can kind of, you can kind of, um, get a sense of that from just listening to the song. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Um, I, I definitely have, uh, no music theory training whatsoever. Um, well, I play clarinets from sixth to ninth grade. So, oh wow, no, well, that's, that's something. Music theory, uh, yeah. Like I had, like I used to be able to read clarinet sheet music and like all the different musical terms and tempo changes and things like that from like an orchestral standpoint. Like that got drilled into me. But mm-hmm. with guitar, I that's cool. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of. It, foundation without me even realizing that's what i was doing and when i picked up guitar like i already had like 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 more theatrical like any song that i ever played before i started playing guitar was an arrangement you know what i mean so and there's so many movements i'm literally just realizing this right now i think that's kind of where my songwriting comes from because like the way i write is way more movements not verse chorus verse chorus outro it's more like movement a movement b movement c and sometimes there's repeats within that but it's more of like a theatrical arrangement i think that's probably because of like I, when i learned music it was playing songs like that it wasn't playing pop songs you know that's very cool but you know um one of my all-time favorite bands is duran duran and and during the um made me think of this during the pandemic their bass player john taylor did this um these tutorials these online tutorials for different bass parts to famous Duran Duran songs. And he's not a trained musician. Um, you know, he, I don't think he, he really can read music or anything like that, but he's an, he's an insanely great bassist. He's, you know, world renowned. And um, he was describing the process of writing the song of you to a kill, which really has an extreme, like theatrical element to it. And there are all of these movements. And it was so interesting because he, he's such a feel player. Yeah. But, having to do a view to a kill was a soundtrack for a James Bond theme. So there were certain about like I needed a part that would convey mystery or like a a chase or whatever. And it was so interesting um, because you had a little bit of that classical approach. um, Somebody was trying to use who who wasn't a classical classically trained musician. And that's why the song came out. I think so cool because it kind of combines elements of both, um, both methods of songwriting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's int- I've never like tried. I was just thinking like if I had to do a video about like the songwriting process for a song, it would be like you would almost think if you listen to a song, you would think, "Oh, that might be interesting to hear." But if you heard mm-hmm. me explain it, it'd be the most boring thing ever because it would just be like, "Well, I was 
just kind of strumming along and this part just came to me and then I just after that I just somehow magically knew that this was the next part and then that happened six times in a row and then the song was written in an hour you know like well maybe maybe you should try it and maybe maybe it'll come out better than you think yeah yeah I mean it's it's cool though I mean it's like the if I, I don't want it to not be that way though. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just going to ask you this too. Like, cause I'm the type that is very, I don't have B sides. Like I inspiration rarely strikes. And when it does, it's fire. Like I love it. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like the whole song's done. Like where the hell did that come from? But then like a month, two months, nothing. But what, what are you guys like in terms of like, do you, is it easier for you to like sit down, write a song like with intent or is it like, you kind of have to wait for it to kind of happen you know what i'm saying um for the ritualists stuff it usually just sort of happens um i've been put in situations where people have asked me to write things for them or with them where i've gone into a studio and they've shown me a chord progression like oh come up with lyrics over this or put a vocal melody to this and and i and i can do that to a degree but with with most of the stuff on this album it was just like um it came to me when it came to me. It wasn't like I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to sit down and write a write an album today. At, you know, by an by an <laughs> extract. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think you know it's. You mentioned like other have other people asking you to do stuff. It's it's frustrating because, I think some as a musician, some of the best things I've ever written in terms of like the best parts were to when I joined a band on lead guitar like and I had someone else writing the core songs mm. and having someone else's idea for me to like that's the that's some of the best stuff I've ever written was writing lead parts to someone else's like because they're writing differently it's like it just jogs your mind in a in a fresh new way like every single time rather Absolutely. than like waiting for a new because like the right wrote a uh i've only written one full record but like when i wrote that it was like i was going through some shit and like i had just like a, a wealth of inspiration because of my life now that that's mm -hmm. done like trying to write a new record but i'm like nothing's happened in the last two years like <laughs> what, what i mean but it's it's like hard for me to sit down and like i'm kind of curious like you know you had this like dream and all these like the idea that came for this record but like where do you, I mean, do you feel like you have experience to, to pull from right now for like for, for new music or what kind of, where do you feel at? Like, where are you guys at with like new music creation? Well, I think that when I first started writing songs, they were also very personal. Um, and that can be nice, you know, um, because even when you're writing something about something that's kind of private to you, it's kind of like a, a secret. And you're kind of like giving people hints in the songs <laughs> about yeah. what maybe was your private inspiration. But with this album, and I think I think this is also due to the pandemic just stopping life in general, which is creating less instances for life experience to inspire. Yeah. Um, I, I really made an effort to sort of try to latch on to more universal concepts. So maybe to take something that somewhat inspires me or that I've thought about and try to attach it to like an archetype or something. And so to try to draw the listener in to the lyrics and say, Oh yeah, I, I, 
I get what he's talking about. I, I totally can identify with him or um, this. I've had a similar ex experience in this respect. And I think I've taken some of the extreme personal nature of the lyrics out and, and tried to, you know, be more, use more universal symbols and yeah. um, allegories and whatnot. And um, I think that that comes across on the album too. And, it's just an, a different way of songwriting there. Like, again, there was, there are songwriters I love where it sounds like every song, I don't know what the heck they're talking about, but it's obviously something <laughs> they experience, <Radiohead>. right? <laughs> yeah. Like all and then you Kid have, A, the lyrics are just like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And then you have, you know, um, you know, like, like Beatles, you know, famous Beatles songs that are about, you know, you can you can tell what they're, they're telling you a story about a fantasy or something. It's not necessarily something yeah. that Paul McCartney actually did. He's just you know singing a song about a fool on a hill or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He's not singing about himself. I don't think. You know what's really um, good at that is Ben. You know Ben Folds. But yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ben Folds is like a master of writing characters and just writing songs right. about shit that are just like these imaginary people. And like anytime someone can like put a name in a song and it's just like someone they don't know, that just seems like such a foreign concept to me. But people do it. And whenever I do it, it feels cheesy. Or like saying someone's name in a song. Like I can't decide if it would feel more cheesy if they're a real person or a fake person, but people pull it off all the time. I just like can't yeah. picture that. And it, and it seems the more. The more ridiculous the name, the, the more successful the song. If you, yeah, yeah, kind of cool. Maybe I should try that sometime. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to kind of for me to take myself out of it. Like you were saying, like yeah. I that's something that I've thought about doing, and my problem is that I always end up over dramatizing things like i'll think that i have like some statement or like some universal idea but then i'm like i don't feel like i have the credibility to say things with as much like grandeur as i do you know what i mean i i, I talk myself out of it a lot oh, you sure? like, yeah i know <laughs> you sure that's like funny. Because I don't want to be like too presumptuous to say like, oh, I say this, therefore it's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's well, it's, if, it's, if you say it and, and it's profound enough, you become the authority. You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm like um, self conscious about that because it's just like I don't want it to miss. And if if I mean, it's terrible advice to like another songwriter, like, hey, be very safe with everything you do. Make sure that mm -hmm. you're only ever comfortable and you're never vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like that's silly. But like, because when I write about myself. I'll be fully frank. I'll write super personal stuff and mm -hmm. and feel not afraid to sing it. But it's weird. It's 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 so like counterintuitive because like it's easy for me to do that, but like to start writing about things that aren't myself. Now all of a sudden I feel like I'm a fraud or I feel like I completely, I completely see where you're coming from and it's taken me a while to get comfortable doing what you're you know, doing the very thing you're saying, but it, like, but think about an author of great books, you know, novels yeah. or something. like now imagine that this author, every book he or she wrote had to be about something he or she experienced. That would be right. very difficult, you know? Um, so they make up stories and um, no one, 
accuses them of being a fraud. But I, I get right. what you're saying, particularly, I think, with rock and roll music, we the, you, you need a level of credibility with rock and to, for the good stuff, you know, um, and, and that's why I think rock musicians can become successful actors, but successful actors are never accepted as rock musicians. When they try to do rock and roll, everybody makes fun of it because it doesn't seem authentic. So I get that. So you're saying like, now I'm making up something whole cloth here and, and I'm getting on stage and I want people to think I'm the real deal, but yet I'm telling them a fictional s- story, but you should understand. Yeah. And the audience should, should get that. There are, plenty of wonderful songs that are the works of imagination there's not doesn't make you inauthentic you know yeah yeah it's it's like and i'm in a way i've started to overcome that a little bit now that i think about it because even like the record that i made is largely based on personal events but Mm -hmm. they're taken to like beef it up and dramatize it a little bit yeah a little more yeah i think that's people don't it's really not so much about like i need it to be factual it's like like i just want to make sure that i'm not being too preachy or i'm not being too like like coming off as trying to be profound about something or making some like life society statement when i feel like i'm just a guy you know what i mean like I don't want anybody to take it so seriously to think that like, oh, I'm proclaiming this and that because I wrote a song making this statement, then all of a sudden that's what I stand for. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a very like mm-hmm. message type person when it comes to a song. So you don't, like, you don't want to take it. You don't want to be identified with any particular opinion. Is that what you're kind of saying? Right. That. Okay. Yeah. Like, or like, I don't want to be huh. like come off as like overly philosophical or anything like that. And you know, huh. it's, it's, it's not that big right. of a deal, but it's like, it's, uh, some people are great at it. And like, I listen to their music and I think like, wow, that's really profound. And like, that's really like good on them. They said something and I'm with it. I just, I guess I have like self-consciousness when it comes to like, I mean, I'm 30 years old. I'm not like a wise one over here. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I can, I, f- I still feel like I'm most qualified to talk about what directly has happened to me. Sure. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, okay. So if, if you're listening to a song and the song has a message, it takes, takes a stance on, on, on an issue, any issue in order for you to like that song, do you have to agree with the stance on the issue or do you just have to think that it's an interesting opinion or it's a good song? Oh, I think it's it's really interesting because like there's some compartmentalization that has to happen because one if I I can think if liking the message does not mean I like the song because I think about like a lot of punk music that mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with what they're saying, but the way they're saying it makes me not want to listen to it. <laughs> um and and I'm sure there's like messages in some songs where I'm just like, "Oh, that's a little bit weird or like that's a little bit too far but it sounds awesome so sure <laughs> yeah you know i th- i guess i'm more about Particularly like with old songs i mean there are a lot of older hit songs that yeah lyrically i would be an issue for the artist today and, and are regarded as all-time great songs you know yeah um 
Yeah. And in certain genres are it's easier to get away with that. I mean, it's like it's such a typical like white dude opinion to be like, oh, listen to hip hop. It's very like demeaning to women or whatever. And I still listen to it. I love it. But it's like certain genres, I'm just saying, like, or like rock and roll too, has like like historically gotten away with like this like uh patriarchal sort of sort of messaging where it's just like, you know, like the the, the demeaning of women and things like that. And but it's well, I you know, I think though music in general i mean from the days of when it was just like played in pubs there you're going to be telling stories about heartbreak and yeah. and love and 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 the way you've been victimized by someone um <laughs> and yeah. you know and so there's going to be there there are going to be controversial statements probably made but i, I have much more tolerance for something if it's done in a classy more poetic way you know yeah. rather than just referring um to women as female dogs repeatedly in a song and, and bragging about um you know smacking them around like that's disgusting yeah. to me and i would i wouldn't want to listen to that but it, if you're telling a, a story and in that story something somewhat controversial happens and it's not like you you are the protagonist in the story, but it's it's more of a tale. Yeah. I find that a lot more tolerable. Um, like, think of like Tarantino. Like, if you watch like any Tarantino movie, like there's mm-hmm. several where there's just like n word after n word after n word. But it's like that's not mm-hmm. the messaging of the movie is not a racist message. You know what I mean? Right. It's like depicting a narrative. It's depicting like a tale of a world at a time where that was real. And it's like a large yeah. image being crafted using like certain things like that to show you that to, to create a larger point, I guess. So yeah. I think it is, it's important to understand the context and not just be like, oh, well, they said this or like this was mentioned or something. Therefore, this mm-hmm. whole thing, be, you know, is nullified. Yeah. 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 There, there, there is the just the glorification of abuse as opposed to a story that is a part of a larger message or a mythology that happens to have a moment that we would find you know abhorrent by modern sensibilities but in the in the scheme of working as part of the story it's accept it's acceptable enough um yeah and that's kind of, that's kind of my opinion upon things and you know it's just it's just my opinion but that and that's kind of kind of how i go about uh analyzing you know yeah. the message of different different songs or whatever no i i this is another thing this is kind of like switching gears a little bit but like i think that uh it's always interesting for me talking because i talk to so many different bands like so many different types mm-hmm. of stuff and you can never really tell from talking to them what they're like on stage which i think is hilarious i think it's uh it's just interesting but like listening to your music like i've said before there's like a little bit of like theatrical elements to it you know like baroque is like a you know fitting term Mm -hmm. used you you get it you wrote the music um but then talking to you you know you just you know normal person you know like a lot of times like people might imagine the person behind that music is way more eccentric or way more you know what i mean like so an alien, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are you? What do you? 
like on stage? Like, do you have like a ritual to like get yourself in? There's that word again. Like, get yourself like into yeah. a mindset, or like do like do you have like a persona? Do you feel like, or do you just kind of get up there and just feel it? You you know what I mean? Like, I'm just curious because like, there's a like, um, clear difference between those types of people. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think you know, I'm not playing a character on stage. I, I will say that that that's yeah. definitely not the case. But I also I believe that it is it is show business and it is a show and I, I don't enjoy going to a concert where the group looks like a bunch of like five random dudes who happen to be sitting next to each other at the bar and just got on stage and they're staring at their shoes and strumming their guitars. Like I, I think that's actually insulting to the audience. There could <laughs> yeah. be one, there could be one band that does that and that's their gimmick. But when everybody's doing it and everybody's comfortable with it, I think it's I think it's insulting. I think it's one of the reasons why rock and roll has lost um, its standing in the in the world um, mm. as a popular form of music, really, because we don't have rock stars anymore. So when I go yeah. on stage, that's in the back of my mind. Like I want to perform for these people. I want to give them a show. I want to. There's there's fantasy going on. There's wish fulfillment, and it's part of the show. But I'm not portraying a different person. I'm I'm just it's a, it's an extension of my personality, um, but it's a conscious effort to be the opposite of what I'm seeing in rock right now. That it, that I don't really that, that I I don't connect with. Um, so yeah, that's the short I, of it. I I agree though. Like I, I I really do think that it's. I'm hearing like you're saying, and I'm like hearing a lot of like what I myself in it, it which is interesting it's just like I, I feel like i'm a very like normal guy like and if anything like i joke around a lot but like the music is really serious and so like when i play live like when i have a big show necessarily i don't not every single show do i like try to mm -hmm. dress up or anything like that but when i have a big show mm -hmm. like I try to make the stage different like i put like a bunch of like different like flowers or you know anything to like dress up the stage like, cool. I try to, yeah like i try to like dress more like a quote-unquote rock star you know i try yeah. to like have that in the back of my mind and it's... well i always tell i tell my bandmates like if you don't look like you care why should anybody else care you know yeah. and and my policy with with the way i run my band is is whether it's a a tiny show or a big show um just you know treat it like it's madison square garden you know, treat it like you're on the biggest stage in the world and people will um, will appreciate that, I think. Um, so I think that that's important. And uh, one of the reasons not to reference Mr. Morrison again, but uh, <laughs> it had an impact on me when I was a kid. I was reading, you know, a biography about it and somebody had written. And um, there was a story about when the Doors first started out and, and they were playing, you know, to 10 people in a room at a bar in, in Los Angeles. Nobody came to the show. And Morrison's girlfriend was in the audience and she's, you know, he, despite the fact that there were only 10 people there, he's doing the Jim Morrison thing. He's jumping in the air. He's slamming himself into the stage. He's reciting crazy poetry and screaming. And after the show, she came up to him and, and said, you know, Jim, that was great. But like, why did you put so much effort into a concert where there was no one in, the, no one in attendance? And he said, well, you never know when it's going to be your last show. So in a sense, treat every performance like it may be your last. And that's kind of the philosophy I try to uh, promote in my project. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's actually interesting, especially because he, he was one of the, one of those that died at like 27, right? He was like one of the... Excuse me? 
he's one of those people that died. died. Really. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he really didn't get that many opportunities on stage. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's cool. Like, and I think especially if you're out of town, like we're, we're hitting the road here soon. Like, you know, periodically over the course of different weekends, different markets and stuff. Sure. I'm, if, if, if I'm in like Pittsburgh or something and there's like 10 people there, I'm looking forward to playing those shows because you don't really need that many people if you're in a new market like anyone you can get mm-hmm. out of your hometown that's a plus like that's great they tell friends like you start to grow as a band like whether you realize it or yeah. not that little show will have will pay dividends if you if you do it the right way and if you put everything into it because you know there's always going to yeah. be like this exotic you know aura around a band that's from somewhere else and they're here mm-hmm. you know it's like even if there's only five, ten people there, those five, ten people are like, who are these guys? You know what I mean? And yeah. you just look cooler <laughs> if you give a shit. You know, you're more yeah, like, interested. Absolutely. Convert convert them one person at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys have you guys um I don't know, I'm not sure how long you guys have been a band or if like have you guys like done touring and things like that? Um, we have toured. Um with the current lineup, we have not had the opportunity to tour. <laughs> Um, due to the pandemic mostly yeah um but we have done we've done shows up and down the coast um the east coast you know we we played uh atlanta nashville athens uh new orleans uh washington dc philadelphia um different parts of new jersey uh we played boston um as well and uh it's it's a lot of fun i would love i my, really my goal is to you know, again, with this, with Corona, it makes everything much more complicated. But I, I really think that we would find a good audience in England, and I'd love to get the band uh, over to, over to England yeah. to do shows. We we had the opportunity to do that a few months ago, and it, the whole thing just got dismantled because of what's going on with this pandemic. It's just ridiculous. You know, it's really yeah. sad. Yeah, it it has been a bummer. Like we. Luckily, like when it first hit, we weren't really didn't have anything really canceled because we were in the process of like finishing a record. And if anything, just like the release of it got delayed, but it didn't end up mattering anyways. But now it's we got got because we saw we signed a record deal. And the first single was put out and they finally the whole album was released and the pandemic hit right then. (laughs) So we couldn't we couldn't Uh, tour to support we couldn't tour to support our first album at all. And now we just put this one out and, and, you know, Corona's raging again. I thought, I thought we were, we were, you know, in the clear. Um, and it doesn't seem all too clear. You know, they say there won't be uh, further lockdown. You never know. It's so weird now. Like it's, and how are you doing? I heard you, you had coronavirus, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I mean, I still, uh, I mean, I was vaccinated. I didn't have the booster, though, which I'm kicking myself about because I feel like it wouldn't have been as bad. But yeah, I definitely got hit pretty bad for like the first week where I was just like... You, had, you were sick for a week? Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. yeah. And But it, it wasn't like terrible, but it was <laughs> like the first three days were pretty awful. Like just... Oh my God. Like it just felt like a, a really bad flu. I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but like definitely... <laughs> took work off but then for like another week like i'm still not 100 percent. like i can tell that there's something going on like in my head like virally you know 
Yeah. And how long ago? How long ago was your? If you don't mind me asking, was did you get your second shot a, a long time ago? Yeah, yeah, I got it like probably, um, February. So I got I got the vaccine really early because it was available to me. Oh wow! So, so that what probably happened is you're probably uh, low on those, uh, I guess, antibodies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, and I should I should have got the. I just well, I was so just were, thinking the like oh Omicron is more like a common cold which is like mm-hmm. for a lot of people it probably is but for me it sucked <laughs> it sucked. So do you know about the the Omicron strain? I I'm Did assuming. I you know yeah. I I don't even know a hundred percent. I just know that I've never felt this type of sick before. It was hmm. like worse than the flu, but it was just different. Like the way symptoms come and go, and like there's weird nausea. And like I still like once a day at least I just get struck with like overwhelming like fatigue where I'm just like oh my huh. god yes yeah for like an hour I'll just feel sick like I don't want to do anything and then it goes away and I think oh, cool it's over and then the next day it happens again and I'm just like for some people it can that can happen on and off for like weeks months um, so I'm just well I'm eligible for my I'm not eligible for my booster yet I I still have about another few weeks to go but I guess I guess I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna yeah. still go. I've read that like it can help with people. Like if you get the booster after like while you're de- dealing with like the post acute symptoms, it, it can mm-hmm. help with it. You know. Oh wow. So I'll probably go get it and just you know maybe hopefully it doesn't hit me super hard like some people like the vaccine like the second dose of the vaccine what my ass. Yeah, so, yeah, mine too. So that's what I was like. I think that's probably why I didn't get the booster because i was just like oh god not looking forward you didn't want to deal with the side effects yeah yeah i was just like i knew it was gonna suck and somehow that was worse than just like in my my mind i really in hindsight i really should have just gotten it because being shitty feeling shitty for a day or two would be way better than (laughs) you know weeks yeah everyone i've spoken to you know younger people who i've spoken to who've gotten the um booster they said it's like a day where you you don't you're not you know it's similar to the second shot, similar yeah. to the reaction to the second um, vaccine shot. Yeah, but you know, I I think the worst of it's over for me personally. Who knows? Like for the society, well, it's, good <laughs> it's good you're well. It's good. Glad yeah. to hear you're. Doing. Yeah, thanks, and I appreciate you guys like being flexible with me too. Like of course, when it happened. I I was just like I. I was not checking my phone. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, you know, um, but yeah, I mean that, that pretty much kind of wraps up what I do with the podcast though, dude. I mean, was there anything that, that you were trying to promote or anything that, that I missed or anything that you want? Um, I mean, we have a show, we have a show coming up in, um, in New York, in New York, at the Rockwood music hall stage two. Um, it's on Friday, January 28th. Um, and doors are at seven o'clock. We should hit the stage eight o'clock sharp. I, I um, don't know the state of things live music wise, <laughs> what they will be in New York, but um, the show is 100% a go. Um, and, you know, hopefully get some people out. We'll have, uh, we, we made, um, they're kind of like comic books. They, they um, it's like artwork combined with my lyrics that we've been selling at shows that come with a download of the whole album. And we will have vinyl within the next few months. But yeah, these these booklets are great. Like they're very reminiscent of like William Blake uh, stuff. And um, 
I, we haven't had the opportunity yet to have them at shows, so we're excited. That's awesome. Like, where do you guys get those made? You have to talk to the, I, I could, I could speak to the yeah. record label and, and get back to you on this. Sure. You know, if you're, it's, it's definitely something I think that's an interesting, um, you know, something physical you can get in, in the digital age of music and anything physical we can sell relating to the recordings is, is I think a good thing. And this is, this is a cool way of, of, of selling the record. I think of selling the album. Yeah. Cause like we have like hoodies and shirts, but I've been wanting to do lyric books that come with like a digital download yeah. and like handwritten yep. lyric books that like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to handwrite every single one of them, but you handwrite one and then right. you like mass produce it. I think I really want to do that. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool to I, see I people think, doing that. Yeah. D- shoot me, um, shoot me an email or something after this and just remind me to have the label uh, reach out to you with, with where they went to get this done. Cause like they came out great. And, and the turnaround was like, I think less than a month on the books. So, they printed them very quickly. That's yeah. That's I'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll shoot you an email after this. But but yeah. Just real quick. I guess just uh, if you want to um, just say like where people can find the music online, where they can find the band on like social media and all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, the band is the Ritualists. We have our own website, theritualists.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page um, backslash the Ritualists, and we are on Instagram. Uh, the underscore ritualists and our music is available on all platforms. You can, you know, Google us and you'll see reviews. We're on Spotify, um, Apple, iTunes, all that stuff. Amazon music. Cool. Cool. All the old, all the old spots, but yeah. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to come on today and for like, again, being cool about rescheduling and, uh, you know, next time you guys are putting something out, have the have them reach back out. You know, I'll be down to have you back. Awesome, Brian. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah, dude. All right, you take it easy. Yep, you too. Bye.